broadcasting for the DBC to all points unknown. If you're within the sound of my voice, you're listening to Welcome Home Podcast for the DBC. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on episode four of Welcome Home, a Disney Parks and Vacation Club podcast. I am Tom, and I'm here as always with my fellow Disney addicts, Trevor and Damon. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. How are you? Great. Doing well. Doing well. Uh, we have a lot of things to talk about today, uh, you know, including a, a fond farewell to wishes, which. Uh, Ended on Thursday, and the new show premiered last night, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, We're going to revisit Damon's Point Dilemma from the last episode, and uh, we're going to talk about some Disney rumors. Uh, But first, before we do that, we are very, very excited today to welcome a special guest to the podcast. We have Nick Cotton, who is the owner of DVC Resale Market. He's here to talk to us a little bit about DVC Resale. We've noticed that it's a question that we get a lot. We hear a lot about it. Uh, you know, people have questions about how it works, so we figure bring on an expert, right? So you can find Nick at uh, dvcresalemarket.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I uh, appreciate being here and the invite. And uh, yeah, happy to answer some questions and uh, hopefully uh, educate some folks on uh, DVC resale. So, 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 Tom, will you allow me, since I'm actually closest to being and the next resale purchase person, I'm going to kind of give Nick my scenario. And Nick, maybe if you can walk us through what, you know, you would kind of suggest for me and maybe answer some of the questions that I have. I think that would be great. I think that would yeah. be a great way to approach this. Yeah. So, and before yeah. he does that, I would love if he could tell us a little bit about his background, about his company and that type of thing really quickly, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, certainly, uh, Damon, get to your questions here in a moment. Um, a little bit about my background. Um, I did work directly for the Disney company uh, for about 10 years. Um, the uh, first, uh, just about four years, was actually as an industrial engineer, uh, supported uh, various areas uh, of the Disney company in that capacity. Uh, one of the areas um, I did support as well was Disney Vacation Club. Uh, that's when I learned a lot about uh, Disney Vacation Club and then eventually uh, went into Disney Vacation Club actually as a sales guy. Uh, worked on uh, land for uh, for a while, and then also worked on their cruise line um, for a while, for a while too, uh, presenting the Disney Vacation Club um, out there. Uh, then um, about three years ago, I had left the Disney company. I did uh, create uh, the DVC Resale Market. Um, so a couple couple advantages, couple th- couple reasons that kind of led me to that is one is so it's, it's kind of it's, it's really nice being able to not only help buyers um, and being able to join the Disney Vacation Club, but it's also nice to, to be able to help sellers too. Uh, being a guide there, I had several thousand members, and from time to time, you know, you would get asked the question, well, you know, uh, something's changed, you know, life changed, whatever, we need to sell this, can you help us? And unfortunately, you know, working for a developer, you, you, you don't, you can't do that. So it's nice to be able to kind of help out both sides. Um, so that, that's a really good feeling. Um, and, um, you know, resale does offer an opportunity for folks to be able to join, um, you know, at, at more affordable prices. Uh, so that's also nice as well. Uh, but that's just, that's a little bit about, you know, my background. Wonderful. I think that's, that's great. A, yeah, that's a lot of background. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he's an expert. He, he knows what he's talking about. He, he's like an expert's expert. I don't even know if I consider him just an expert at this point. <laughs> So, so go, go well, ahead, Damon. Uh, t- uh, tell them all about your situation, and, and you know. Sure. So, 
what I'm dealing with, Nick, and again, I'm looking for a couple different, you know, hopefully a couple different solutions from you, some options. So I currently sure. sit at 170 points. We've recently moved down to North Carolina, so I'm a lot closer. And what I really wanted to be able to do is go for a week, let's say every two years. That for some reason that's turned into every year, right? So okay. I'm sitting on a, you know, two contracts that exist with Disney directly. But, you know, now I want to add points. I'd like to be in the 270 range. So I'm kind of looking for another 100, let's say 150 point contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seems to me, since I already have two contracts with Disney, that, mm-hmm. you know, the resale market may be the best solution for me. And here's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, would it be great? I'm in Saratoga, right? So I think my end date is 54, I think. That's you know, right. W- okay. Would it be great to have all my points until 54? Sure. I think after 54, I might not need as many points because, you know, I don't know, my kids will be older. Um, you know, I- I'll only be, you know, staying in a studio at that point if I go with just my wife. So I'm wondering, you know, is it better for me to tack on some extra points to Saratoga or even, let's say, Bay Lake resale? Or do I want to look at something that really maybe just gets me through the child years? with my three kids yeah so um so one thing to keep in mind is whatever you do add on with um if it if if it's something different than saratoga you're going to have home resort priority with just those points at that resort yep so for for example if it's bay lake 100 points you'll have 100 points priority at bay lake um the end date there is is 2060 i mean it's not terribly far off from the 2054 saratoga end date um i would say one of the leading drivers in your decision should be, is there a resort out there that you are really wanting to book far in advance at that you're struggling to book far in advance at right now? And so, if they, go ahead. I was going to say, Nick, so it, it's a funny, it's a little bit of a running joke here. I'm actually going in August and I booked uh-huh. last week. I, I, okay. I, I'm the person, while Tom would tell Last you, he would, yeah, he would yeah. probably book tw- 12 months out. If I book three <laughs> weeks out, I don't necessarily care where I stay. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So here's the thing. I mean, I break buyers up into two big categories um, as we kind of, you know, dissect what may be best for you. You've got the category that says, look, I'm going to go to Disney in October. I love food and wine. And if I don't get into Beach Club, I'm going to be unhappy or some, some scenario like that, right? There, there's no doubt you need to join Beach Club in that scenario. Um, or if you're like, I'm, I, go to, I go New Year's, um, I, I don't I want to be able to walk into Magic Kingdom, the answer is Bay Lake. You know? so, so it's those situations where somebody has very particular criteria, um, and you know that it could be a challenge to get into if you don't have that 11-month booking window, the answer is pretty clear. You, you need to go with that resort. Um, and, and Another example is for people that want to go to Hilton Head in the summertime or, or for people that want to go to um, Disney's, uh, uh, Disneyland's um, Great California um, and they want to go just about any time of year almost because uh, it's a very small resort uh, and they want to go and they would go with some frequency. So there's some scenarios there. We really, really need to look at home resort priority. That being said, uh, you probably fit into the other bucket, which is what makes the most economic sense because I'm not going to typically book super far in advance. I, I just booked last week for August. Um, you know, uh, I'm not obviously. You know, if you're booking last minute, you're, you're probably not super particular. Uh, you know, about which you're like, I have to go to Grand Floridian every year, example. You know, kind of thing like that. So in that case, you know, you might put more of your emphasis on the economics. Now, when you look at the economics of the Disney Vacation Clubs, if you look at the long-term economics and you look at 
price, years left, and, and annual dues. Those are your three economic factors. Almost always, and, I, and, and we do a blog on our site every six months, um, basically ranking the DVC resorts on this, and almost always, Saratoga Springs is number one, and Bay Lake Tower is number two. Um, so if you're kind of going to go in the economic decision, you know, I think you're, you know, Saratoga Springs, your current home resort, you know, there's nothing wrong with sticking with that same choice. Um, mm-hmm. Bay Lake is not a bad choice either, I mean, because it's number two economically. It, 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 you know, between those two, I would say it may come down to, if you kind of got that itch to say, you know what, I think at some point I'd really like to have that 11-month priority at Bay Lake, um, then great. You know, that's not a bad economic choice either comparatively. Um, so, so that may be a consideration. But, you know, for you, I, I kind of sense it's, it's an economic decision. But just keep in mind, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you branch out, let's say you get them at Bay Lake, that's where you would have that home resort priority at those points. Now, on the flip side of that, um, does it really hurt you for booking Saratoga at these 100 points or Bay Lake? Really not. I mean, Saratoga is the, by far the biggest Disney vacation club resort there is, um, it, and it's the it's it's typically the easiest to book. I mean, the only thing that you really need that home resort priority for at Saratoga is going to be the tree houses, if that's mm-hmm. something that you would frequently book. But outside of the tree houses, um, you know, the priority is not is needed there. Um, so, I, you know, I would say either Saratoga or Bay Lake because they're both the strongest economic choices. I think between the two. Then it would just come down to do I kind of feel the itch that I'd like to get that 11 month priority with those points at Bay Lake and would that would that benefit me at some point? So, so Nick, the other thing that I found interesting is is that you know going on your site, what, what I saw was, <clears throat> you know, Animal Kingdom obviously because it was you know A for Animal Kingdom right it was the first one I was looking at, and I noticed there were different prices per you know different point prices depending on which contract, you know, was available. Can you right. kind of walk us through the, the whys of that? Again, because for me, I look at that and say, okay, Animal Kingdom at $87 a point versus, you know, New Bay Lake through Disney at one, what is it, Tom? Like 165, 135? I don't even know it's what it is. 165, I think. At, at 165. Yeah. So what, you know, again, walk me through it. Because even Animal Kingdom has a, a farther in advance date than Saratoga, right? By three years, I think, right? Two or three years or something. But, you know, well, is that yeah. something? So, so explain to me, one, I guess, why there's different prices on your site, I guess, and for all our listeners as well. And mm-hmm. again, really the true benefit that I would see for, you know, resale is, is price and, and kind of, you know, where that sits in comparison to what Disney does. Okay, so so just to be clear, are you asking why Animal Kingdom may have different prices in the resale world, or why is it different than direct? Nope. So I'm I'm asking actually both. So the first oh, okay. one is is yep yep why when I go to your site I'll see some at eighty six dollars a point, some at eighty nine, okay. and then the second part of that question is probably for our listeners more than me is that you know why is there that difference and what's the benefit of your site? Okay, got it. Perfect. Okay, so first the differences in resale prices. So. There's a, there's a few factors that will contribute. Um, obviously, let's eliminate resort because that's that you know uh, that that one because we're already we're already talking about differences in just Animal Kingdom listing. So after you've got the resort, um, the other differences can be in size of the contract. So the smaller a contract is, typically the higher it's going to command in a per point price. And then conversely, the larger it is, uh, it's going to go it's going to go it's going to go down. Um, and the reason for that is kind of just basic economics, really. Same thing in your in your in your house neighborhood, you know. I mean, if the smallest house in the neighborhood is typically going to go for a higher price per square foot than the bigger home, and the general reason for that is just the affordability of it. You have a much bigger audience for a 50 point contract than you are for a 500 point contract, right? I mean, you're going to have a lot more people who say, "Oh yeah, I can I can afford another you know two or three hundred dollars a year in dues." 
you're not necessarily going to have a huge audience and say, oh, yeah, another three or four grand a year in dues. That's, that's, that's easy. Uh, you know, there's going to be some people that say that, but it's not going to be the mass. And so, and, and so, and, and so that's, that's, so that's, that's kind of the reason for, for some of the price differences. Now, the okay. other factor is also going to be point availability because you could have a contract that gets listed where they've got all the 16 points right now, all 17 and 18. And then, and then on the opposite end of that, you could have a contract where they've used all the points out till 2019 at this point. So that also plays, you know, a factor as well. So there's a couple different things in there. Then, I mean, and then of course the other X factor out there is also what a seller wants to get, you know, um, or maybe what they need to get. You know, they may have a loan on a deal and they just can't um, come up. You know, it, maybe they're a little underwater and they can't um, they can't even afford to sell it at a certain price. So you know, there could be that factor there too. Um, you know, obviously as, as agents here, we advise them on market conditions and what we're seeing. Uh, but ultimately, the seller always has the final say in, in what they own and what they listed at. Okay. Let me let me ask you this, Nick. So, uh, well, this is kind of a, I guess, kind of a funny question, but a serious question. I always see a ton of Vero Beach contracts out contracts out there. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and 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 and, and, uh, and let me I'll answer that real quick. And I, don't, I do want to go back and finish the other part. I think the other part of that question was there was been reselling. Oh, the sorry, right I bit. apologize. But, no, that's okay. Um, no, uh, if, if, well, Vero. Um, it's funny, you know, Vero, though, it's not, you know, long-term economics. Yes, it's bad because it has a quicker end date of 2042. It does have the highest dues in the network. Uh, when you look at its, um, you know, per point, uh, you know, Vero Beach is about 811 a point. Uh, it's a coastal property, so it's, it's going to typically be higher on the dues. Um, but the cost, obviously, is very appealing. So if you look at short-term economics on it, if you if you were just looking to hold the DVC product for about ten years or less, uh, Vero Beach would, would be very hard to beat because of the initial price tag on it. Um, so you know why you may see a decent bit out there. Um, you know it could be kind of quicker turnover because uh, it does make a lot of sense in the short term, uh, just maybe not so much in the long term holding of it. Uh, but certainly, I mean, it, it does get a lot of attention when they hit the market because of the price tag. I mean, it, it is it is typically going to be your lowest priced BBC property because of the high maintenance fees on it. Um, so, you know, they have a little more turnover maybe than some of the others. Um, getting back to the other question um, in regards to you know direct versus resale, when you look, Animal Kingdom is a great a great one to look at because when you look at the direct price of it, it's one sixty five. You know, your typical resale price maybe in the mid eighties per point. Um, you know, one thing about it is you know Disney. Um, like any time, you know, they're, they're a timeshare developer, uh, Disney Vacation Development. And so, you know, for them, like any developer, their goal is to really sell the new product, what they're currently developing, um, what they're building. And it's not necessarily to um, invest in what they've already sold. Uh, the profit margin is much, much more significant on, on what they have that's new uh, versus um, investing in, in buying um, resale contracts and reselling them. So that being said, you know, they're not going to have a strong a goal to move a lot of Animal Kingdom right now because that's, they've already developed it, they've sold it, you know, they, that, that's where they get the highest margins on. Um, so for them, there's not necessarily a super strong goal to move a lot of it. So, you know, like right now, for example, Bay Lake's 185 uh, direct or, you know, Grand Floridian's 185, you know, et cetera. So it's, it's never going to be, you know, a strong goal for them. So they're just going to price it to, hey, if we sell some of it that we bought back or, uh, you know, or whatever, then that's fine. But it, it's certainly not going to be the main goal. And when you look at the stuff that they're actively selling, like a line or uh, Polynesian or uh, now um, Copper Creek, uh, you know, the developers are typically going to have higher prices because for them, there's a lot of marketing costs that go along. 
you know, with with the sales. I mean, for everybody that says yes, there could be easily another nine people that toward that said no. And but there's cost incurred for all 10 people. And so, you know, that has to be um, that has to be accounted for. So that's but that's typical of almost any timeshare developer. When you look at any kind of resale scenario, you know, it's going to be a bit of a, a, a of a true marketplace in that somebody is selling this. Um, you know, if it doesn't sell at a certain price, if they if they've lost their job or something's happened to them in their life, they're going to they're going to price it to where it's going to move because they, mm-hmm. they need to sell it. So, you know, it's going to be kind of what somebody's willing to pay for it. So, so Nick, so that leads me to, again, to kind of, again, I'm going to take this a little personal, right? Just because I'm in this kind of, I'm, I'm ready to do this. So the biggest thing for me is, you know, the gut, the pit of my stomach says, man, you know, I just feel more comfortable buying from Disney. Even we're, we're talking double the cost, right? Right. In, in the pit of my stomach. Now, I already mm-hmm. have points at Disney. Just again, for me personally, as well as our listeners, Sell me on why I don't need that bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. Why I shouldn't be worried buying those hundred points from you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I mean, obviously, there's a huge assurance when you buy from from Disney directly. There's no doubt about it. Um, plus, you know, to be you know full disclosure, it's also more convenient. I mean, uh, when you buy when you add on or you buy directly from Disney, it, the points are there day one. You remember from right away. Um, the, but I, the, the assurance I will tell you in resale is. And a lot of people aren't aware of this is when we when we get a listing, uh, we do verify the point activity uh, with Disney. Uh, then whenever any contract that gets resolved um, in, in, in DVC space has to be sent into Disney uh, to be verified. So uh, through and that, because they have right of first refusal, so they have the opportunity to buy that contract back. Um, now, they have to honor, of course, the same terms and conditions. So, uh, you know, the seller's protected. It's not like uh, it, it could, the deal can be altered when they're when they're reviewing it or anything. Um, but again, Disney verifies it to see, okay, was there that, you know, cause the only thing really, you know, a seller can't go in there and trash the room, right? I mean, these are all shared with points, but, um, a seller could go and use some of the points that are on it. Well, again, it's being verified once again, um, when Disney reviews it for right of first refusal. So you get, you again, have that, have that kind of quality assurance check on it. Uh, then it gets reviewed a last time, um, when, when the, when the title company has it. Um, and then they do a final update or the final check on the points. And then there's a final transfer by Disney. That's kind of the last um, step. And then there's, an, again, um, a check to make sure everything's correct. Um, so so there's a lot of assurances built in along the way. And then in terms of anything financial with it, well, the title company orders an estoppel from Disney that shows them all the financials in the contract. So there's a title search done. Um, there's also title insurance purchased. So, I mean, it's as reliable as you buy your next house. You know, if, if you okay. go, you know, I mean, it's the same process. You got title insurance, you got stopples, you have, um, you know, you have checks for any cloud of title, you know, all that stuff. The same kind of stuff is done. Gotcha. Okay. Now, now, uh, I, I know you got to get going here, Nick. So one more thing before you go really quickly. Um, you just mentioned all those things that, that go into this. Just what's the typical timeline if Damon wanted to buy tomorrow from, from now until, you know, when he made an offer, uh, when, what's the typical timeline when that gets completed? That's a good question as well. Um, so typically, we set people up with expectations of about 50 to 80 days. Uh, now, it can be um, closer to 50 or the 80. It kind of depends a little bit on Disney. And so that's why we really never give any kind of guarantees because it's not all in our control. So what happens in the process is that right of first refusal, which can, you know, we've seen that go as fast as a few days. We've seen it take up to 30 days before. Uh, then after it gets, let's assume it gets waived through by Disney, 
then the title company orders an estoppel, um, which can take, you know, anywhere. Sometimes they have the estoppels almost instantaneously. Uh, sometimes they provide them about two weeks later. And then once that estoppel comes in, the title company can then prepare closing documents. And then they typically email those to both buyer and seller. And then once those documents come back, keep it in mind, the seller does have a deed that needs to get notarized. The buyer uh, will need to um, will need to uh, get a mortgage notarized if they are financing. Once those, those documents come back and the funds come in, they can then close the contract out. Uh, and then Disney takes about two weeks to make a final transfer of the points. So all that from A to Z can be about 50 to 80 days. Um, so that's that's pretty much the expectation I would have of any buyer or seller, um, you know, with, with uh, reselling. Great. That's actually well, good. Yeah, I know, Nick, yes, you have to go. But, uh, you know, what I'd actually like to do is and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe, you know, we can kind of work through this process. Uh, I'm in the process of actually moving. So once I move out of the house I'm currently in, that's when I'm going to end up with some extra money. I'd like to actually walk through the whole process with Nick and kind of document it on the podcast, actually purchasing points from them. Yeah, and I, I think we could talk to Nick for hours at a time. I know we could. That's the thing. So <laughs> we'll definitely yeah. have to have you back, Nick, because we, I, I, we've got a lot of questions, um, and uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Can you tell everybody where they can find you, where the, where the, where's best to reach you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, no, I, 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 you know, I think, I think, Damon, that's a great idea, and uh, I would love to, love to assist you with that and certainly uh, be able to document it for all your listeners. Um, so to find us, uh, you can – Find us at dvcresellmarket.com. Uh, also, um, our, our phone number, if you want to reach us by phone, <clears throat> is 1-844-382-7767. Great. Great. Thank you so much, Nick. We really appreciate your time today. I will share all that stuff on our Facebook as well and uh, mention that again. But we really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks so much for coming on, and we will definitely get you on again in the future. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Okay, that was great. Thanks, Nick, so much. And, uh, you know, we're going to move on to uh, some different things. We actually are going to revisit a topic from the last episode where at the very end we were talking about a dilemma that Damon was having about his next trip regarding points. And the reason why we were bringing this back up is we actually got an email from uh, one of our listeners uh, just mentioning some of the things that we didn't even talk about, which, you know, as, as a DVC podcast, we probably should have brought these things up. But um, we got this email from Willie, who's a listener. And thank you, Willie, for uh, sending us an email. We appreciate it. And he said, you know, hey, guys, loving the podcast so far. Just listened to the most recent podcast and wanted to let Damon know that instead of borrowing from his next year point total for a small amount like three points, he can rent from DVC those one-time points uh, for $15 each. $45 isn't that bad, so maybe he could just do it that way. Just thought I'd share. Thanks so much for that, Willie. That's a great point we didn't bring up, and uh, a lot of people don't know that you can rent DVC points. That they're not really renting it. They're one-time use points that you purchase, but, um, you know, so that's a great point that you can bring up, and really quickly, you know, and we're going to explain points in a second here. Trevor, Trevor's going to give you his expert, uh, you know, knowledge <laughs> about DVC points, but, yep. um, you know, just so everybody knows, if you're not aware of it, you can purchase one-time points from DVC. You can do 24 points each year, which you can buy, you know, if you just need if you have a shortage, um, you know, you need a couple extra points maybe to upgrade or to go to another resort, and they are $15 per point. You cannot um, cancel them or refund your purchase of the one-time use points. So um, it's, it is kind of a risky thing to do because if you do buy them, there's no canceling it. There's no refund of it. Um, so you're not able to transfer, bank them, any of that. So um, now if you do cancel your trip, 
you can still use the points you buy in that use year. So they go kind of like into the holding account. So um, Trevor, you want to talk a little bit about points and just explain points? Because, you know, we realize yeah. that we're saying points and, you know, who knows what that means, right? Okay. So so I know we, we've had some some feedback on that as well, that, that not everybody understands. When, like we're, we're all talking about points, but what are points, right? Uh, so the first thing to know, and actually first to, to put a disclaimer on this, I'm not, I'm going to leave banking and borrowing out of this entirely because that's like the whole next level and it confuses things. So that's another podcast episode. (laughs) Yeah. So, so at its most basic level, when you go to Disney or so when you go to DVC, whether it be through DVC direct or resale market, you're buying a contract. Um, it's a, it's a retail contract. Um, or yeah, sorry. Uh, so it's a real contract. estate contract. Real estate contract. I, yeah, I totally flubbed that word. <laughs> so it's a real estate contract. That's okay. Um, in that contract, it spe- specifies that you have an exact number of points, whether it's twenty-five points, fifty points, a hundred points, whatever. That points that you get is how many points you're allowed in a single use year to to make use of at Disney. Your use year changes though. So you also need to look at that in the contract. Um, so some use years start in January, some of them start in June. And basically what the use year is, is when the points reset. So so let's say your use year, or it, so in my case, my use year is, is up in June. So once June hits, uh, I get my next year's worth of points. So every year in June, my point, like I can use up all my points and then next June, my point value refreshes back to the hundred points that I have to start with. Um, so you've got this contract. You have you have X number of points on it. When you go and look at booking stuff with DVC, um, each room has different point values, and it does vary. They've got different seasons of the year. So basically, like like busy season, like spring, summer, fall, winter, kind of. It kind of lines up with that, but the certain times, like around Easter, you'll find that the point values go up. And you can look at the charts. We'll see if we can actually find a link to one of the, the charts and link it with the podcast episode. Um, but when you look at the chart, they tell you for different times of the year, and they actually have them broken down by weeks. So, for example, you can look at, uh, like, first week of September – and each night will cost you like at a particular resort it'll it'll say like 18 points a night or something like that so you got to figure out for the duration of your stay how many points it's going to cost you and so if you're looking to buy a contract you do need to look at these things for sure so you need to look at the time of year that you're going because it affects um the approximate point cost and also keep in mind that it does change year to year but you so you, you look at the approximate point cost and then the duration of your stay, and you can kind of figure out how many points you would need to do that stay. But like Tom said, you, you don't, you're not completely locked in with that number of points. You, you do have some flexibility to add on some temporary points or um, borrow and bank from another, from uh, previous years or the next year. But like I said, we'll get into that. A little later, and, yeah, and the only thing to talk about also, show. yeah, <laughs> is each each room size is also a different amount of points. So a family yes. of, let's say, well, actually, probably perfect here. You know, Tom, Trevor, and, and myself. You know, you know, Tom may go and stay in a studio. Trevor may go studios. stay in one bedroom, and Damon may stay in a two bedroom because he's got three crazy kids, right? So <laughs> that definitely affects the amount of points that you'll need per resort as well. But again, exactly. a whole nother discussion. We just want to make sure we were letting people in on 
you know, an understanding of, of what the points are, which now brings me back to my dilemma, which mm-hmm. I think I may have made, uh, I may have made a bad decision, right? I guess we all make bad decisions. So <laughs> what I ended up doing was, is that I ended up waitlisting for um, Boardwalk, which I got in like a day. It was, it was crazy. So that was nice. But I ended up going with just, I had a hundred points. I only ended up using 95. I couldn't figure out a better way because... I couldn't do another night because we just didn't have the time, right? Mm, yeah. And boardwalk going up one whole level, right? So from a one-bedroom to a two-bedroom was going to actually eclipse the extra 24 plus five points, mm. right? So it would have put me over. It, yeah. Yeah, you, you, would have been, you, you would have been probably swinging either into your next year or... Correct. Having to rent points or something. (laughs) From a one bedroom to a two bedroom, there's a fairly big, there's a a bigger difference between one and two bedrooms than a studio and one bedroom. That's for sure. So for me, I ended up doing what was most cost effective for me this year, which was unfortunately losing five points. Now, I'm still happy about that because I got where I wanted to go and I'm going for the amount of days I want to go, but I'm eating five points on that. Here's a question. Um, when do your points expire? So these points I have to use by November. Okay. Um, is is there any way you could rent out those last five points? Uh, so a that, that's a Nick question, right? I, I, I think there's <laughs> yeah. probably a minimum amount, um, but I could be wrong. But see, here's the thing. Even, again, the amount of effort for $75, probably not there yeah. for me. Well, yeah, and, that's and by the way, everybody, that we are going to do another podcast episode just about renting points. So that's yeah. that's going to come up. We are going to get somebody on this podcast like Nick that can talk about renting points too. So, so. Yeah, so that's kind of where I ended up. I'm at, like I said, I think 95 points. I had 100. I'm not upset about it at all. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that might be upset about something like that. <laughs> I am not because I am going to Boardwalk, and you know that makes me happy. And Tom, I booked Boardwalk three months out. Yeah, Three months out. It was waitlisted, but I did get it. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, I was waitlisted on Boardwalk for probably four or five months now and didn't get it. Um, and, you know, my trip is in 35 days or so. And so I actually started uh, I started stalking the DVC website like every hour to see if there was some availability. And so what I did was I actually ended up booking um, the three days came up. The first three days of my trip came up. So then I, I just booked those three days and, and, you know, had my old Key West for the rest of it, right? So then the next day came up, the next day after that. So then I got that next day. So now I've got four nights at Boardwalk. So the last two nights were going to be at old Key West, but we did, we were thinking we want to go somewhere else. I've never done a split stay. I don't know if you guys have done oh, a split yes. stay. We, we talked about this a little bit. My yeah. wife refuses to ever do it again. Our big thing is, though, we unpack. So when we get to yeah. Disney, we open the drawers. The kids' stuff goes in the drawers. We have a drawer that's specifically for stuff you've already worn that's been dirty. So like it takes us a while to pack and unpack and my wife had just said it will never happen again now that also was a trip that we did um the medium level what do they call the medium level the um, moderate moderate yeah which yeah. again my personal opinion i would never ever do moderate ever again in my life ever ever <laughs> ever so those two things together may have been a problem sure. but my wife will refuse to let us do a split stay so i would well, love to do it 
Yeah, look, and that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. We've never done it, so I mean, I'm not. I, I'm I'm interested to see how it's going to go. But it ended up those last two days. We really didn't want to stay at Old Key West, although it seems like a lot of people really like Old Key West. It just felt to us like it wasn't a place we really wanted to stay. And so um, I, I saw two nights uh, for the last two days of our vacation opened up at Polly, and I've never stayed at Polly, and it's been on our. It's been on like our uh, bucket list of, list of Disney resorts, <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, you know what, two nights. You know, it, I mean, it's it was fifty points for two nights at Polly. Well, but, and, see, and that's yeah. interesting. It brings us back to the point thing real quick. So, what's the benefit of um, Oki West again? Right, like it's points. It's points, yeah. yeah. And that's that's the thing. And so, like, yeah, you can do it for the least amount of points. But you know, there's something to my wife and I. You know, we really enjoy walking into you know the hotel and having the lobby there and everything kind of being indoors and together. and You know what I mean? Like, it seems like Old Key West and Saratoga are, like, really spread out. I mean, I, and I don't know. I've never stayed there, but that's kind of the impression I got. But everybody seems to love them. So, you know, and, and I, I maybe I just, you know, we were just being weird about it. But, um, you know, we really wanted to stay at Polly. So that was, you know, kind of worked out well for us. But <laughs> um, Yeah, and, and, and also, I mean, you got to look at it, too, is, like... Um, so to Damon's point is, you know, a, a lot of times it's it's about the economics of it, but also like this is your vacation too, right? So exactly, you should be able to do what you enjoy, and if and if you really want to go and stay at somewhere like the Poly, then um, I, I think a split stay is great for that kind of thing. And and I've been saying to my wife too that like we're we're definitely staying at the Poly coming up in September because it is our first trip and we want to we want to go there, we want to do everything at the Poly. In the future, um, we're going to talk about split stays and, and more so that we just want to kind of shop around and see what the other resorts are all about. And I think exactly. that's really a good way to do it because it, it, when, you're, when you're doing it in the middle of a trip, like your, your thoughts about each resort are fresh enough that you can kind of go, okay, I like this one for this and I like this one for that versus, you know, if you wait six months or a year, you kind of come back and it's you're not really thinking about your previous trips. You're not really comparing anything. You're just kind of going, well, I stayed here this time and, and whatever. Right. Yeah. So, you know what I also find too, is that again, for us is that, you know, once you've done all the rides and you've kind of done a lot of Disney, there's a lot of value to be had at each one of the hotels in terms of experiences that maybe when you go for the first, I don't know, even 10 times that you just don't get to experience because you're caught up with the parks, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the split stay has some benefit there, almost like visiting different parks. Um, And for us, like I said, this is, you know, my, my other, my next dilemma is, you know, do I go just to Pandora for a day or do I buy two days of passes and go to Epcot as well? Right. Like, so that's my dilemma for my next trip. That's going to be coming up in August, but there's still two days where I have nothing to do. Right. We're not going to the park. The max that we're going to the park out of these four days is two days. So again, that's where the resort comes in of like, hey, what is there to do at the resort? And that split stay sometimes is a little bit of a benefit to be able to do different things. Well, that's why it's great too that you're staying at Boardwalk for for that situation because there's so much stuff going on around Boardwalk. You know, that's what I'm happy about. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And, and it's such a nice spot to be in, and uh, you know, that's uh, we're so excited to stay there. And you're totally right because doing the, doing the split stay really it it lets you kind of have like a tasting menu of like you know of, of uh, hotels, right? And and that's kind of what we were thinking about is and, and you're right, it's your vacation. You should and we always have a rule when we go on vacation that we just 
if we want something, we're going to get it. Like, so that's, that's the rule on vacation. There's no budgets in mind on vacation. We just, you know, if, if we see some, you know, uh, something in a souvenir place we want to get, we buy it. If my wife wants to get lobster at dinner, she gets it. That's just, you know, you're on vacation. Enjoy yourself. Right. And so for us, that's kind of how we look at it too. And that's why I was kind of like, you know what? I know it's 50 points for two nights and that's crazy, but, uh, you know, we've always wanted to stay at Polly and we love, we love the pollen. I mean, we love the, um, the bar that's in there, which whose name is escaping me at the moment. I, I don't know why. Um, uh, Trader Sam's. Trader Sam's. Thank you. We love that <laughs> bar. We love Ohana. Uh, the funny thing is we're actually going to be eating at Ohana while we're staying at Boardwalk, but that's another story. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but and, you know, yeah, which is so, fine. <laughs> so something interesting that going back to the whole difference in points thing. So when you're going, Tom, uh, which is mm-hmm. in June, right? Yes. Thirty-five um, days or thirty-six. Yeah. Days. So, so you're for two nights. You're talking about twenty-five points a night. Mm-hmm. When I'm going to same hotel, so so Polynesian in September, it's eighteen points a night. It's a huge and, difference. Yeah, and the big reason for that is it's that it's the change in season, the busy season and, versus the non-busy season. And, and so. I and I I happen to miss the change. I, I want to say like the change is like August sixteenth or something. Yeah. And I'm actually going like the three days before that. Kind of a little upset about that, but <laughs> nothing I can do about it. Again, I, I, I'm not I'm not an angry DVC owner. Like again, some people maybe you know, but uh, I just it is what it is. But yes, I was like, hmm. If I had stayed the next week, I could have gone probably six days. <laughs> yeah, but again, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. But nope. And yeah, we actually it's... we happen to go different times all the time. So again, you know, you don't have to always be locked into those specific points. Like I said, we've gone in August, we've gone in September, we've gone in October, we've gone in May, like we've gone all different times of the year. So, you know, you do have to factor it in, but you know, you always realize that you can go different times and get more value at certain times of the year. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I, I, uh, you know, for me, I, I've, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, we really can only go during the busy times. We can only go during the most expensive seasons. Uh, you know, I would love to go during the times where it's cheaper to stay. We could spend less points, but, uh, it's just a challenge for us based on schedules and, uh, you know, time and, and, off and things like that. So, and, and the thing is that you have to remember as well. So don't think about it from the aspect of, you know, you're losing X amount of points. Listen, if you were to not have any points and have to pay, it is more expensive just to go to Disney that time of the year. So when yeah, you factor exactly. in points, keep that in mind. It's not like we're saying that every time you go to Disney, it's a $2,000 stay, but your points could fluctuate. No, no, no. Every time you go to Disney, just your hotel in general is going to fluctuate in price. Yeah, yeah and exactly. It, yeah. And so, yeah, you, you really got to more look at it as, you know, yeah, I, I got to pay an extra seven points to stay there in June. But, I mean, the difference in in the rack price is quite substantial. <laughs> oh so. yeah. Well, and that's, and you know, the, the part of this too, you know, if, if, if points are still kind of like, you know, in, in any of our listeners heads, you're still trying to figure it out, you know, the points really, what they represent is just your ownership stake in the hotel that you bought into. Right. So, so, you know, I, I own at Bay Lake. So me having a hundred points at Bay Lake is a certain percentage of the overall ownership of Bay Lake. And that's, and they just kind of use points as their currency. What's that? <laughs> you own a closet. In uh, he, owns a br- right. he owns a brick in the lobby. Yeah, Not even a closet. A yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like point zero zero five seven five. You know, yeah. 
Uh, but but that's kind of the idea behind it, and really the points are just the currency by which they use them. But the the cool thing about points, though, too, the points charts, you know, the points per night always stay the same going forward, right? So you're kind of uh, holding, you're kind of uh, saving yourself from the inflation of the the rack. So, rack so, rates. so that's that's interesting, yeah. though, because I think Trevor brought this up too, right? So while they currently have stayed the same, there is no guarantee of them staying the same, isn't that correct? Well, I was so, guaranteed that by my DVC rep, but I don't know. So, <laughs> so here here's here's the confusing part on this and maybe i can help elaborate on this is each hotel has a certain amount of points allocated to it so for the entire hotel they get something like a hundred thousand points for the entire year how they cut up those points throughout the year can fluctuate so and this is where they look at busy time versus not busy time and and if they're trying to get people to change their when they go there, if they find that, you know, everybody's swarming the place in June, they're going to up the point values for the individual nights in June. But if they do that, if they bring it up in June, somewhere else in the year, the point values have to come down to so that the total number stays exactly the same. So you'll never see that all of a sudden the points get higher and higher and higher consistently across the year, but you may see them fluctuate for different parts of the year where they adjust how how they want people to occupy the the rooms at that particular time. And that's funny. See, that's why we have Trevor on here, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, that is a great piece of information. I didn't know that. No, I I didn't know that that's how they do it. I I know that when I met with them initially, and what I've always heard is that the points will never, like they they, they don't change, the point values don't ever change, uh, you know, up or down. But, you know, so that makes sense, though, that they can shift based on seasonality as long as it's the same amount overall that they're, they're charging. So that, that makes total sense. But that's part of why DVC is a good investment is because you're pr- protecting yourself from the inflation of the room prices because the rack room prices are just going to keep going up. You know, yeah, exactly. That's, that's for sure. So so I guess the, the other thing that I just want to mention, and I touched base on this a little bit before we move on to something that, again, I've already said I don't really care about. Um, <laughs> my big question now We're is... We're going to make you care I, about it, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> is do I want to just go to Pandora for one day, one park tickets... Or do I want to go two days and go to Epcot, which, again, we missed out going on the um, Frozen by, like, a week last time. And my daughter is seven, right? So do we want to do that? And, again, there's also a lot of good food there, right? So I'm always good with that. That's the question that I have. Do I want to spend that extra money? I think it goes from approximately – I'm going to use approximate numbers. I think if I go for one day, Pandora's $500. Pandora plus Epcot or whatever other park I wanted to go to if we decide to change our mind, I think kicks us up to about $900. Okay. Um, well, so go I've got two thoughts on this. <laughs> uh, one, if you're going to Pandora, I guess this depends on how badly you want to experience both the rides. So the thing to keep in mind is that with with Pandora opening, there's two new rides there. There's the Flight of Passage yep. and the Navi River Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, with the way Disney does their Fast Passes now, those are both in the same tier. So you can't yep. book them both in the same day. Correct. If you really wanted to guarantee that you do both without having to you know, stand in potentially horrifically long lines, like two hours plus. Um, <laughs> Probably. If, if you do the two days, you can one day hit... The, the flight of passage and then the next day you hit see if i was doing two days yeah. it'd be single park only to keep my cost down because if i go park hopper now i'm at 1200 right so but, now, but i'm saying if you choose to do two days at animal kingdom you could do oh that. no no so my my okay. is either one day pandora and nothing else 
or oh, okay. Pandora and Epcot so I could see Frozen. So the way I'm going to get around that fast pass is that the day that we go to Animal Kingdom is an early open day, I think. And oh, I'm so just going to go, rush the go line. Yeah. rush the line. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Everyone in my family can run, right? Go so again, I, I, I don't really like watching the people run like that kind of like, if you're running, like I kind of have to look a little sideways at you, but we'll walk Speed briskly. Walk. Yeah. So we'll walk briskly <laughs> to where we need to be and then see the other one and spend our time in Animal Kingdom. The question is, <clears> is it worth picking up that extra day at Epcot for about $400 to give us one, a something, you know, extra to do in our four days. So we still have two days of nothing, two days of park, but also to see Frozen. I, I right. would say, I guess it depends on how much you like Epcot, right? So, I, in my mind, I would do. I would probably you, you, do the extra You want to know right? something really interesting about my last trip to Epcot? And again, we've gone to Disney, I, I think we count this. Let's just call it 10 to 13 times to make it easy, right? Because I don't remember exactly. I went into a store that I'd never been in before. Oh, yeah. It was a, a store mm-hmm. in the back of, um, must have been either... It must have been China. And it was in the back of China. And oh, I was like, yeah. I have never been in this store before, oh, wow. ever. Oh, the, it's and it's huge. Phoenix. It's gigantic. It's, can you believe Phoenix I've never right? been in there ever? No, and I, I was just like, wow. Well, yeah, that whole pavilion is like a maze, right? Like, yeah, you just kind of wander, and it's like, oh, there's more back here, right? Exactly. Well, <laughs> and I don't know if it's China or Japan, but the last time we went, we uh, stumbled upon where they do. Have you seen where they do the pearls? That's yes. they, Japan. Yeah. yeah, that's Japan. I thought it was Japan, but like, yeah. we j- I never knew that was there. And I mean, we've been to Epcot a ton of times, and I, I, we just, I just never knew that was there. And then I we saw were a just bunch fascinated. of blog posts about it too. Recently, I've seen a lot of blog posts about that, and I was like, wow. Again, I, you know, I've seen the place, but you know, I, you could make it an experience, I guess, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Japan is the one that I hang out in way too much because I just <laughs> love the culture of it. So. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, for me, if you, if you're an Epcot lover, I would, I mean, I would totally do it you know i, I yeah. think it'll be worth it um because i you know my wife and i like just walking around epcot because it's such a pleasant park and it's just you know yeah it's 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 such a pretty park and so we're we're a big fan of just walking around that i if i were you i would but that's so, i mean that's, yeah, it, it really just depends on like do you i mean you know because we we love soren so we'll we'll go on soren a couple times at least you know we'll we'll try to go on well, test well, the other a thing times. that we we did too was as we said to the kids we said you know what do you kind of want to do and they're like oh well obviously we want to go to the park two days and i was like all right, well, maybe you guys would just pay the difference this time. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that. Definitely. Well, we don't want to sit around. Yeah. That, I, I think that says something to to making the choice is, yeah. you know, I, I mean, looking at Epcot, definitely Frozen. Unfortunately, Frozen, Test Track, and Soaring and all, are all first tier at Epcot. So mm-hmm. if you really want to do Frozen, you're probably going to want to fast pass that one. Yep. Um, you can probably rope drop Test Track. And Soren, I think, is probably the easiest of the three to get in. Ooh, see, and that's funny. I, I would now that they've my experience. The third theater, now that they've opened the third theater, is that theater, what it line, is? That's what it is. Yeah. The, so the w- line. When is was way that shorter. third theater opened? Last year. So. Okay, and that would make perfect sense because what I found was the exact opposite. But now that you're saying that, there's been times where I've walked on the test track, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and go, go ahead, the thing that's happened too is Soren around the world has had enough time to kind of settle in that mm. it's not getting the same amount of crowds that it did before. Okay, that makes perfect sense then. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you this. Last year we went and um we you know we were at we went just kind of we're walking by Soren and we saw that it said forty five minute wait, which in an, in and of itself forty five minute wait for Soren is pretty short. And then when we got online, you know, we us just knowing the, like you know where the end of the line is. I, I think I said to my wife, I'm like, this line is not 45 minutes. This is 15, 20 at the most. 
and and so and we blew through in like 15 minutes and then you're talking in the afternoon so i was like that's crazy ever since they opened that third theater it's really helped a lot it's the same thing with toy story at hollywood studios ever since they opened the third track mm, really I, I, cut down on the crowds because i mean oh. i remember you were talking about rope drop the run over i remember a couple of years ago we we were there rope drop at hollywood studios and they actually had all of the people that worked toy story that were holding a giant rope and slowly walking everybody over to the ride oh yeah i love when they do that yeah and it's just like it's like okay so obviously like people were trampling each other and so like because otherwise they wouldn't be doing this and and so uh you know but it's always funny when you go to epcot in the morning though too because you you get that big mass of people and then as soon as you get into the middle where the fountain is everybody kind of splits off right so you have the people that are rope dropping you know a test track and then the people that are rope dropping soren and they're on opposite sides and it's just kind of a a funny thing to witness in the morning (laughs) i think toy story is so interesting because you know while i agree with you the lines have definitely gotten shorter at toy story they've gone from 180 minutes to you know 100 minutes right and and listen that's great right (laughs) it's still an hour and a half at the end of the day my favorite ride of all time probably outside of you know any sort of thrill ride is toy story without a doubt and um i I would love to experience it i remember when the paper paper fast passes were around we would do it at least three times a day um and those were great days Right, we've done that it doesn't at Disneyland exist. so yeah. many times, like because it, it, it's exactly the same, right? And same yep. deal, like we'll we'll get it on it as many times as we can. So now oh, I'm lucky too. if I get on once, right? I mean, honestly, I get on once, and I don't shut the parks down for the people that shut the parks down, like Tom and our friends that we usually travel with. They say mm-hmm. that those lines get a lot easier towards the end of the night, they especially do. something like Toy Story, because it is you know a lot of kids, and because it does not have any sort of really requirements around it, right? So that at the end of the night, it, it definitely gets better. So. Well, see, we, we always rope drop Toy Story. We So what I always do is I schedule a fast pass for Toy Story as early as I can in the morning, mm-hmm. and then we rope drop it, and then we immediately use our fast pass and get back, or, or, or sometimes we just get right back on the standby line, and then you, we'll go on it three times in a row if you do it the right way. Because okay. like, usually the line now nowadays it's not getting that bad anymore. My arm hurts after three days in a row, though. <laughs> I know from pulling the string hard. Or yeah, like yeah, we, we have we have fire. pretty high competition level in our family, so there's a, there's a lot to be said for whoever wins Toy Story for the day. You know my so, big complaint about Toy Story. Sorry, Trevor, real quick. No. Um, so my big complaint about Toy Story right now, and maybe they've done this, but I haven't seen anything about the Disney things about it. Is you know now they're doing the 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 long range Magic Band thing where they can they can check for photos. They they're putting your name up at the end of uh you know uh, yeah. it's a small world. But how come at the end of Toy Story my name isn't up there with my score? Like that's like they should have the scores and all the names. If you get a like, high enough score, it is Tom. Oh, is it is now? No, no, I'm, I'm just I'm uh, just busting you. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying you're not doing good saying, enough to get it. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm usually highest in the vehicle, so I want my name oh. up there to say highest in the vehicle. Highest in the last ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I mean, like that seems like the best application of that technology of all the rides, and they haven't done it yet that I've, I've I, seen I think, anyway. I, I, my my guess is that you know, Toy Story is going to get a refresh with the new movie. Probably. And I think you'll probably yeah. see something like that. So, so well, in a new I, entrance too. So. I would like to point out that we somehow got from Epcot over to Hollywood Studios. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Sorry, we're going to stop that. Track. All right. Track. Yep. So I'm going to bring us back on track again, and yep. then I'm going to hit my mute and probably take a little nap here while you guys talk about wishes because <laughs> yeah. I really don't care about wishes. I hate no. to say that as a Disney person. I don't care about any of the shows, the nighttime shows. But oh, I'll, I'll try and make this interesting for you. So. Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll keep myself on mute, but I'll jump in if I need to. Yeah. So – 
so uh, you know we want to talk about wishes obviously last uh it wasn't last night but it was it was may 11th was the last night of uh wishes after 14 years uh started in 2003 uh it was immediately replaced by the premiere last night of happily ever after um so I, I don't know how you feel about it, Trevor. I have always loved Wishes. I always thought it was a really great show. Um, I did think it was starting to show its age a little bit. Um, I, I think it was time for a replacement, uh, and I'm really encouraged by a lot of the early reviews I'm reading about Happily Ever After, but um, I don't know what your thoughts are on it or how you feel about it. So for me, um, again, going back to we haven't been there in a long time, I'm not as emotionally attached to Wishes. I mean, it was a great show, uh, but we didn't, we didn't spend a lot of time waiting for it. Like we, we caught it a couple of times as we were getting off of rides and whatnot. So, so we weren't really, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not as invested in it. I know reading a lot about it in the last couple of years and I do kind of wish that I had seen it before it closed. But um, the flip side of that though, is that knowing Disney and knowing that um, how, how they've, made use of their technology in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I'm actually expecting that happily ever after is going like after the initial shock of wishes going away, you're going to find in a year or two that happily ever after everyone's going to be like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Don't take it away. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to basically, I said this to my wife. I feel like it's everything with Disney where it's like, we only remember the last thing, right? Like how many people remember what was before wishes, right? Like yeah. people were probably upset when that went away too. Right. So, you know, 10 years from now, if they're talking about replacing happily ever after everyone's going to be like, you can't, ha- you can't replace happily ever after like, you know, cause it's going to become the new one. But yeah, I think you're totally right. And based on all the early reviews, Views I've seen. I mean, uh, some you know, it, some of you out there that read Disney blogs. You know, a lot of these Disney blogs can be really negative, especially when they're replacing a classic with something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I mean, the Tower of Terror thing and uh, oh yeah, like Disney the Tower of Terror thing, <laughs> Frozen Ever After. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, all that stuff. And I, I mean, everything I've read has been really positive. Uh, just like saying that it's a techno a te- technological marvel that they're they've i mean that's pr- a lot of them saying it's the best nighttime show they've ever produced that it's uh they did things in there that they've never seen before that are just they thought were impossible like all sorts <laughs> but, of stuff so so here here's the great thing about this and that i i love i love how this show came about because you could actually see it coming if you're paying attention to how rides and everything have been evolving the last couple of years so the the first thing i'll compare it compared to is uh, and and i guess going back to the part about you know um when they take stuff away is um i grew up with main street electrical parade like that was the first parade that i saw in disneyland and Mm -hmm. um when when i heard about paint the night i was skeptical at first when i saw paint the night holy crap like (laughs) sorry it it is like like just so well done amazing amazing uh uh show so when I look at how they did that, I obviously had very high hopes for Happily Ever After. The next thing to look at is um, this technology. They, they, Disney doesn't do things with just you know one particular project in mind. Mm-hmm. Things are always intertwined together. I could see this coming when I see um, when I saw Pirates in Shanghai and when I saw the Frozen uh, Broadway show in uh, Disney in Disneyland come out. They're using, uh, for both of those things, they're using um, uh, uh, like a texture mapping projection technology, which I know they were using it to an extent in Wishes, but 
that technology has really come a lot farther. And I think when you look at, like they started with those smaller things and I, I know like a full ride, like pirates, you say, well, it's a smaller thing. But when, you, when you're looking at projection mapping in a ride in an enclosed um, environment versus the entire Cinderella castle, like they're scaling this thing up, right? Yeah. It's so, like they started they try they started trying it out on a smaller scale and now they've they've improved the technology so much that they've really they're now they're rolling it out what they they've been working on for years, right? Yeah, exactly. And so so I, I obviously like I said I I was very optimistic about this new show because it's like okay, Disney doesn't just, you know, throw stuff out and go, "Hey, we, you know, we kind of did it and it like I hope it works." It, no, they they've been <laughs> testing this. They've been this has been coming for a while now, so yeah. And the, the projection mapping that they're doing is—I mean, if 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 anybody out there hasn't seen even the show that they were doing before the fireworks, where they were—it was just a straight projection show. The stuff that they would transform the castle into—I mean, you'd literally stand there and just go, "How are they doing this?" Because it didn't even look like the castle anymore. It would look like whatever they were trying to make it look like, and it's like. It, and it's you're standing in front of it, and you you kind of can't believe your eyes. You kind of can't believe what you're seeing. Yeah, and it's 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 it's, it's amazing. And I, I can't wait to see too the projection show on the Tree of Life at Animal Kingdom too, because the last time we were there, um, we missed that one by like a couple weeks. And I've heard that that one is fantastic as well. Just the and and it's random, I guess, that it just happens whenever. Um, you know, whenever it, it, it's going to happen. And then, you know, but I've heard that one's amazing too. And, uh, you know, there's also it, a lot It is of, actually, right? How long has that one been around for now? Uh, I mean, pr- less than a year, I think. Yeah. It was when, it was that, when Animal Kingdom started nighttime year. operations, which was, yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool. But yeah, no, I, I, Damon, I think you're missing out. You got to go check out, <laughs> check out the new show, you know? <laughs> and, and, I, what, what time is that show? I feel like I'm in bed by the time. No, it's at nine o'clock. Around. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think I'm in bed by that time. We're like <laughs> we usually leave the park mm, six, seven o'clock. Okay, so, here's what you do, Damon. You go, you go back to your hotel like three o'clock. You take a two hour nap. <laughs> we're having some dinner and then come back. <laughs> we did that when the kids were a lot younger. Now I feel like I mean when I when those shoes come off, those feet aren't going out again. <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, I, I, I mean, just from all the things I've seen, I, you know, people were just like in amazement of it. And apparently, it's really great. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if there's for me. I, I I'm always, you know, of the opinion hey. that you know, a lot, not always, but a lot of times, new things are better. Um, here's an know. interesting. Here's mm-hmm. an interesting question I have though. Yeah. Can you see that from anywhere outside of the park? Yeah, so that's actually it's funny you bring that up because that was one of the comments I was seeing last night, um, you know, from some of the people is that, you know, you you can't you can see some of it from top of the world. You definitely okay. probably can't. I would say you definitely can't see any of it from like the beach at Polly. Like uh-huh. no way. Well, you, you can see the castle from Polly, <laughs> the top but, of it, but <laughs> but yeah, it's, you're not you're not going to see the full thing for sure. Yeah, and that's okay. I mean, but the thing is, I mean, even with wishes, you really couldn't see that. I mean, and I, I've I've said this many times. I love Top of the World. It's a really cool place to hang out. The drinks are great. The view is great. I don't think it's a great place to watch the fireworks. I've never been a fan. Um, I, we've done it before, but it's only because we've seen it in the park too. Like it's kind of almost weird because they're so like off I, to the side. And so if it, I'm going though, right, and I don't, ha- I'm not going to um, Magic Kingdom at all, right? Yeah, sure. So the, where is the best spot to at least catch a glimpse of it? You're saying probably so, top of the world, then I would say. Well, but it, I, actually, I would actually say right outside the Main Street Gate. That's true. Yeah, you could do that too. 
Yeah, oh, because I, I've seen people do that where they don't actually go into Magic Kingdom. That they would just go watch Can wishes you, from from. You can't see it as far down as the boat dock, though, right? No, or the I monorail think, platform, right? Not. Neither neither one of those. No, because because it's like a gradual grade going down, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you kind of go out of view, but I mean. Actually, I guess now thinking about because the the thing about wishes was that you could watch it from from the the gate because a lot of it was the fireworks, so you were missing the castle stuff. But I guess if you wanted to see the castle stuff, the Polynesian would probably be the better choice. That's but true. the Polynesian just not on the beach, though. You're saying, yeah, yeah, on or the beach. on the beach, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting and, thought. And that's wishes didn't rely as much on the projection stuff, mostly because they they just you know we're still toying with that technology. There was a little bit of it, but it wasn't like key to the show. You know, like you no. could still you could watch the you know because it was more about fireworks and the music and the timing of the fireworks to the music and and uh, you know those types of things. But this new show seems like it is. Uh, there's a lot of effects that happen on the castle itself. Um, you know, it seems like there's, there's like pyrotechnics that happen. I've seen a lot of things about like light, like lighting and like lasers and smoke and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so I, I almost feel like for this one, if you want to get the whole experience, it seems like you are going to have to be in the park to do it. But I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I prefer to be in the park anyway for that because, you know, half the time people right after that, they, you know, you get the, that crazy run to the buses where everybody leaves, like as the finale's happening, you know, and, and me, you just I, stand there and I just stand go. there and then we go to the rides, <laughs> you know, we're like, okay, yeah. it's over. Let's go ride some more stuff, you know, yeah. so, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I think you should at least check it out because it, it is such a cool show. Um, I mean, it looks like a cool show. I'm I'm gonna find out um, when we get there, and uh, if everybody's lucky, I'll live stream it on our page. But <laughs> you'll have to excuse me if I don't watch because I'm trying hey, not to spoil it. For I don't blame you. I don't want to ruin it. We didn't watch the live stream of it last night. Uh, Disney live streamed it last night for the first show, and we did not watch it because we want to experience it in person. But um, you know, that being said, um, you know, I love all the nighttime shows. I don't, I, I know Damon, you're you're not all about the nighttime shows, but Trevor, I, I don't. Do you are you into like Fantasmic and Illuminations and oh, all yeah. those shows? Yeah, yeah. Fantasmic is a favorite for us for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll it's s- different at Disneyland, right? It's a different show at Disneyland. It's it's Fantasmic, but it's a they do different things in that one, right? So the only big difference between that and the the one in Hollywood Studios is that. The, they have a pirate ship, so so there, there's no arena for it. It actually takes place on Rivers of America in Disneyland. Oh wow! And so they've got so there's the um, the Mark Twain, which is the the riverboat, but then they also have uh, a pirate ship, the Columbia, I believe it's called. And so there's a scene in Fantasmic where you've got Captain Hook and Peter Pan fighting on the Columbia as they're as they're going around. Um, yeah, that would, that's the only real difference, but that's like maybe 30 seconds of the show everything else like because i've seen both um start to finish they're they're both the same although i hear that now they're changing the disneyland one because they are again going back to how they work in their new tech is that a lot of these new effects are going to be added into phantasmic as well in disneyland now how do you feel about that like do you are you sad that they're changing it or do you are you okay so you feel okay with it you're feel you're, you're okay with them changing that up I've seen it enough times that I'm like I I'll watch it and uh, like I'll have a tear coming down my face at the end of the show kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I get, but, I'm with. Like, listen, I'm with you. All right, I you yeah. know I, all those shows get me get me going. <laughs> and so I, I'll absolutely watch it in its current state. But I'm I'm just as excited to see how they're going to update it because I mean really if you think about that that show started like 20 years ago. So oh, yeah. 
Um, it's even longer running than Wishes. So it, it, I, I think it's due for some, some upgrades. Yeah, that's good. And I, you know, me personally, I, I'm a big, I love all of them, but I, I love Illuminations too. And there's been some pretty heavy rumors that they're going to replace Illuminations in the next couple of years. Um, but you know, that's a whole nother point uh, altogether, mm -hmm. but but um, but yeah, let's let's uh, let's talk about some other things. Uh, you know, I, I I'm sad that Wishes is gone, but I'm excited for the new show. I, I think it's going to be a good thing. We're going to convince Damon to go and see it. Um, <laughs> at least once. At least once, Damon. Just go get some five-hour energies or uh, something. Oh yeah, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> but if if we get your kids to talk to you enough about it, will they convince you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, you know, the way I'm looking at it is, is that. By the time we go again, right, so figure that we're going on a cruise in October, we're going in August, we probably won't be back again until that next um, school year. I don't think we'll go over the course of that year, so maybe by then we'll have to do it. Yeah, we're actually, we're actually, it we're actually talking about, again, you want to talk about a whole other issue, we're actually thinking about the Disney Alaska cruise that next summer, so I don't know, that's a, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> well, it, I'll it say is. whenever you're back there next, I would, yeah. I would at least try to Try one night. To yeah. See it. yeah, it's totally worth it because it. I mean, it, it from all the things I'm reading, there's some pretty uh, crazy platitudes that the the, the blogs are thrown out there cause, about it, which is surprising because a lot of times, like I said, they're a little negative when they get rid of things that are beloved. But it seems like this thing uh, is is really well done and really really looks good. So, a uh, couple rumor things that came up, and and one that particularly makes me sad, and uh, <laughs> I want to hear from you guys about it. But it brings up an interesting topic, and we were. Talking Epcot earlier, um, there was something uh, Disney started surveying guests, uh, uh, and you know Disney surveys guests all the time. But a lot of times they survey guests because there's something specific they want to find out about, whether they want to get rid of or change, or they want to see what kind of backlash they're going to get. And so recently they put out a survey about Figment. Mm. I don't know about you guys. I love Figment. He's one of my favorite characters of all time. One of my fondest memories from being a child was my little Figment like stuffed animal. Like I loved Figment. He was my favorite when I was a kid. I would be very sad if they got rid of Figment. Um, if, and those of you that don't know who Figment is, he's a little purple dragon that shows up in Journey into Imagination. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, it kind of seems like based on this uh, survey that, this, that they sent out, they were asking questions like, do you know about Figment? Wh how, what do you think about Figment? Do you care about Figment? Um, and it kind of, in my mind, makes it sound like they're they're going to get rid of Figment. So I don't know what you guys are thinking. Is, is this a, a bigger overhaul of Epcot? I mean, I, they've already announced they're going to do an overhaul of Epcot. And, and obviously, Journey into Imagination is one of those rides that a lot of people hate. I mean that's, that's I like a, it. I do too, yeah. actually. We we always I enjoy it. I I I know but, everybody uh, not doesn't feel that way though. <laughs> no, and I, and I think the problem is is that when you replay, I mean, what do you do? I mean, do you update that? I mean, that's a that's that's a kind of a tough ride to update. You, you kind of know what I mean? Like, I've, I've got a theory about that actually. Okay. Uh, so my I'll let you go first, <laughs> <laughs> Trevor. You got a theory too? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think the absolute perfect thing to replace that with is you you make that an inside out ride, right? You you have mm -hmm. that you have it be the train of thought, um, like they had in the movie and Inside Out. You could and I personally I actually think you could keep Figment in there, even though Figment's not in the movie. He's the Figment of your imagination, right? So, you know, it, it, Next there was to Bing Bong. Yeah, exactly. So you have Bing <laughs> Bong there. You have some Figment going on, but you could I I just it makes sense to me because they it's one of those overlays they could do where they could literally turn that into an Inside Out ride somehow. I, it's just that's my theory, but I who knows, right? I mean, but what's your theory, Trevor? It sounds like you have one. So, so um, so first of all, I. I uh, Figment has already had an overhaul. 
That's in true. The past. Yes. So I I never went on it before the overhaul. I know a lot of people look at it with rose-colored glasses and they say it was better before. Um, I don't mind the new version with Eric Idle instead of Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the way I look at it is I don't see them necessarily investing the money to do another overhaul because they've already done it once. And I, I, I get the feeling that um, whatever they did there, there may be some technical limitations behind why they wouldn't just rip it out and put in uh, inside out. Like there, there may be something else to the ride that we don't know about That's as true. there always is like, you know, they could have a Yeti problem going <laughs> on. Um, so I honestly think that, they may, if there's a larger overhaul of Epcot as a whole, I can see that entire pavilion just getting pulled out and then something net new going in. You mean like, you mean like bulldoze the whole thing and start over again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like I, what I, they did with, uh, where like, uh, uh, with like Horizons, where they just knocked all the Horizons down and just put in, uh, Mission Space. Yeah, exactly. Good. Interesting. And, and that there, like I said, there's there is a precedent for it there too. That yeah, Horizons. They're they're not afraid to do that. <laughs> so yeah, because Horizons was pretty beloved, and it's not like the Imagination Pavilion is really all that beloved, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And and the thing is, is uh, like you, I do, I like Figment as well. I like the character, and and I think for me, it's I I kind of I'm drawn more to those fringe characters. Like I know everybody likes, you know. Oh, Winnie the Pooh, Mickey Mouse, and stuff. I like seeing some of the the weirder, oddball characters that not necessarily everybody knows about. Um, so, personally, I would like to see it stay in some some version. Well, and but, and, and for me, you kind of can't get rid of Figment because Figment was like a character created for Epcot, right? I mean, that was like a character they created for Epcot, you know, for yeah. Imagination Pavilion. Yeah, which but if they do an overhaul, they may decide that whatever the new version of Epcot is, because they've gone away from like interventions and all that stuff, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, it, I, I guess it depends on what the actual theming would be of Epcot, because right now Epcot really doesn't have a good identity overall. Like you, you still got the World Showcase, but the rest of it is all very kind of jumbled, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's a little bit of a. It, it's kind of lost its way a little bit, which I think is uh, that's actually a topic for a whole podcast for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'll be interested. I'm I'm hoping at D23 this year that they announce some things of what they're going to do because they've already pretty much said that they're, um, you know, going to overhaul that whole thing. But who knows what that's going to look like? So I mean, I I me personally, I even like I like Ellen's Energy Adventure. It needs to be updated, but. I enjoy that 45-minute ride. So, <laughs> the, the AC boat cruise. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Half the people yeah. are asleep. You know, it's a good time. <laughs> yep. Damon, do you care at all about Figment? You want it gone? <laughs> I like Figment. I mean, I, I'm okay with, with keeping Figment. Um, you know, my, my thing is, is that, and again, this is something that I, I noticed at Universal and I don't actually like, is that, you know, they're more based on their limitations of how much land they have mm-hmm. and what they do. You know, I, I'd like to see Disney just grow bigger. And if that means that, you know, new rides and new ideas are just in addition to rather than refurbs of rides and mm-hmm. knocking right. down rides... I'd rather see that for a multitude of reasons. I understand from the monetary side of it, it becomes a little bit of a problem. But, you know, 
let's keep that. Let's let's you know make more things. Let's make it bigger. Let's get more you know spread out when it comes to people. You can change your capacity levels and still make that same amount of money. That's me though. That's my opinion. I I don't like to see stuff. I'm nostalgic in general, except when sure. it comes to nighttime shows because I don't care about any of them. <laughs> but when it comes to rides, right? Like I want all the rides to stay forever. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> so, so actually, so, that brings up a good point. Um, I'm sorry, Trevor. You were going to say something. Well, I, I was going to say, speaking of adding, adding versus taking away. Uh, why don't we move over to Star Wars Land? See, well, this, this, yeah. see, this, this hurts my feeling right here because I read this and was like, this will make me mad. <laughs> you think so? it'll make you mad? Why is it going to make you mad? <laughs> With the facade being well, yeah. taken, improved and closed as a oh no, it's being oh, it's not being torn down. See that I thought That's... it was going to be torn down. I was going to be mad. No, because, so what okay. they're doing is really weird. So they they all if if all of you guys out there that are familiar with Hollywood Studios, where the old like. Um, it the was New like York the city. Yeah, it was like the New York City street, and you know they had like the you know you take pictures there, and you you know it was like you're on a what, street. What, yeah, what was the best thing about that though? What was your what was your favorite thing about that area? Because uh, I have a favorite thing about that area. You know, I didn't really. I, my favorite thing about that was the uh, the Osborne family lights. That's about it. <laughs> like okay. uh, during so, Christmas time, that was my only. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I mean, it was you know the detail of it was cool. But there was but you know I, what was my favorite about thing it. about that area was is that that's where they did a lot. A lot of the impromptu character stuff. Oh yeah, the um the the streetmosphere <sighs> stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So for me, probably some of my favorite times with the kids in general were there because you'd randomly walk through that area and you would see characters that you didn't even think Disney had costumes for. Because, <laughs> again, they're nowhere mm-hmm. else. Like, they were literally nowhere else. Now, listen, as Disney gets bigger and they put more of those picture-taking places around, okay, there's some characters now that I've seen, you know. But when we used to go there, that was my favorite spot. We used to see um, characters, again, that, you know, Maleficent before, you know, the, the reintro the of the movie. When would you really ever see her? Right, like yeah. there was some characters there that again, a lot of the um, Incredibles characters. Now, again, you could see them other places, but before they changed that area where you can see them now, where that used to be art stuff over there, right? So that's where you would see them in these random, you know, like I said, where the New York facade was. So that, that was why I love that. I and again, I misread that, so I'm glad they're keeping that. Yeah, well, the the interesting thing is that you know they tore down their all of it except for the new, the one New York building facade, and yeah. now they're now they're improving it and they're closing it in. They're making it a building, okay. which no one really seems to know why, <laughs> which is really right. interesting because I don't know. Obviously, it's not going to be in the Star Wars land part of things, and now that that area is technically called Muppet Courtyard. So, I mean, I guess it could kind of sort of fit in with the Muppets, sort of, maybe. I don't know. Well, they go to well, New York an awful lot. They do. Yeah, they, they <laughs> kind of have that Broadway thing going on, right? So maybe, yeah. it's, maybe it'll true. be more of a like a Broadway look instead of just a, a New York street, necessarily. Well, and Pizza Rizzo does kind of have a like a New York pizzeria feel to it, you know, like a yeah. lot of like the brick and stuff. I, I'm just curious what they're going to put in there. there. There's a lot of speculation that it's going to be like a Club 33 lounge when they're you know, going to bring that there. Um, someone said there could be a DVC lounge. Maybe they'll put a store in there. I I just think it's weird. It's a strange thing that for them to be doing. Maybe it will be a ride. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's enough space for it, though. I, I, just, I don't so, know how much space is there. So, I, it's so weird. What I, yeah. Again, we went on that Jimmy Fallon ride in Universal. 
and that literally takes up almost no space. That oh, ride. really? Yeah. <laughs> but that's like a VR thing, though, right? Correct. It's like Star yeah. Tours. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, when you put something like, you know, when you talk about space, when you start doing VR, which, again, is a lot of what these newer rides are, how much space do you need? I just really hope they don't do that, though, because uh, honestly, I, I feel that a lot of those rides are probably the, the cheapest and easy way out, which sure. is why I like Disney, because they don't do the cheap and easy way out. <laughs> Most of the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, they do. I'm all for more stuff. They, they've had a few, yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've gotten to the point with Disney again. My, if, if there was any sort of knock that I could have on the past few times that I've gone, it's just the capacity numbers. And listen, I get it. A lot of it has to do with when I went and what was sure. going on and what was open. But, and and again, I have to say this, unfortunately for Trevor, is that, you know, Halloween is no joke. Those mm-hmm. those numbers are at like 99.8% capacity. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at them, you know, doing a little bit more, expanding a little bit more out, giving us a little bit more breathing room um, in general. Well, and I think that's why like Star Wars and Toy Story Land, we're in a transition yeah. phase right now, right? Yep. And yep. and Hollywood Studios especially is it was always small it. to begin with. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Always a half day park and it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh I, I, I think so so this is my crystal ball prediction is that once Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land are nearing completion, you're gonna see them start on Epcot. You're gonna see a big yep. chunk of Epcot go down. Yep, and then there's going to be a whole bunch of remodel, and I think a lot of it will be like around interventions and that kind of area. Yeah, and and Ellen's Energy Adventure. There were some pretty strong rumors that that was actually going to get torn down completely a couple months ago because they were putting up uh, test balloons for for sight lines and things like that. But yeah, that seemed to fall off a little bit. But um, and then also uh, Mission Space went down for a mysterious like uh like long refurbishment that no one knows why. Um, you know, right now actually it's going on and, uh, they haven't announced anything about that, but there's been some speculation. They're going to spruce that up and change that up a little bit too. But I think you're totally right. Once they finish all this major construction that that's going on, um, you know, then they're going to move on to, they're going to, I, it seems like they're going to do a whole overhaul of all of Epcot. Um, which, you know, and I, I mean, including maybe some new countries that I've, you know, and some rides at some of the countries, you know, there's been a pretty strong rumor for a while. They're going to bring the Ratatouille ride to France and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe bring a, there was a long time ago in the original design of Epcot, there was supposed to be a Matterhorn type of ride at, um, at, uh, oh gosh, which country? Norway? I think it might've been Norway. Yeah, I, I can't I can't remember, but there was supposed to be a Matterhorn type of ride there too. So it, it kind of seems like I'm really interested to see if they announce anything at D23 about what they're going to do going forward because it, you know, Interventions is pretty much there's nothing left in Interventions except for that color Topia thing, which is cool, but um yeah, they, that's they all they that's left. It. <laughs> it's 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 pretty much a, it's pretty much a character meet and greet now and uh you know, that's you no, know, they still, have the, they still have the make you sick roller coasters. No, those are gone. No, nope. are they yeah, gone those, now? Yeah, they're yeah. gone. Some oh, of all thrills closed down, uh, kind of wow. with short notice. Like they, it was like a couple week notice. I think oh, wow. they lost the sponsor, so they just okay. yeah. shut it down. Hmm. Um, and also on that, because the, there's also that um, restaurant that's never open on the other side of Chess Track as well, right? Uh, the Odyssey, right? Yeah. yeah. They use it for special events. I've wondered why they haven't turned that into it. Maybe just because Epcot has so many restaurants, they just didn't feel like they need another one. But I don't but know. It's also not really a good use of space, right? And, it's and not. if you look at it, that's all like, I mean, except for Test Track, everything else around there really needs some sprucing up, right? Oh, for sure. They, yeah. I think they know that too. And it's just they have so many projects going on right now. It's just. Who, who, yeah. who, so you're talking about nostalgia. Who likes the new Test Track versus the old Test Track? 
I I like both. I I mm, I, I, I honestly think that the new test track was them. I, I think eventually that's not going to be called Test Track anymore. That's going to be called Tron. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I was going to say, I like it because it's like Tron, but not really. <laughs> yeah, like I think they were literally doing that as a as a test to see how people liked it so they could eventually make another Tron movie and then call it Tron. <laughs> so, but I mean, I don't know. I, I liked both of them. I, I mean, I think the new one is, is fun. I, I think the new one brings a different dynamic to it just because it's so dark in there. Like you feel like you're going even faster than you are, you know, which is the same trick they play on you when you're in Space Mountain and things like that. Um, I, I think it, it, it may, almost makes it a little more thrilling. Um, but, you know, I, 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 the old one was so, you know, was fun and kind of silly. And, you know, yeah. I just like both of them. I, I, I think they were both fun. So, Damon, yeah. I, I, you disagree, Damon? I heard a scoff. I, 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 I totally disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> so so, so wait, you it, don't go on it at all anymore? Like you're, oh, you're I just, do. Okay. I just don't like it. It looks, it looks cheap. Oh, you like think that, so? To me, it feels it like, looks cheap. Hmm. It looks like someone said, you know what, I don't really have a lot of money, so let's just throw some lights in here, and we'll call it Test Track. Listen, <laughs> I, do I like the, the the car aspect of creating your own car and stuff? That you know, it, That's definitely far better in, in the new version, but sure. no, I, I, could, I could definitely uh, leave yeah, that I, one alone. Which, which then brings us right to our, our kind of our next topic is, so Jungle Cruise, right? Again, an old school ride yeah. that... You know Disney. What you said to you know, I, I'm I'm reading off of Tom's notes here, everybody. So yeah. that the Disney refuted the attraction will be changed. Um, yeah, because The Rock came out. So because you know yes. the source for all your Disney news should be The Rock. Um, mm-hmm. But he he's you know make it, they're making a Jungle Cruise movie, and I don't think anybody's really sure. Has it been greenlit though? Oh yeah, no, it's happening. The movie okay. is. Yeah, yeah the okay. movie's definitely happening. But The Rock came out and said that they were go- He was going to be working with Disney on updating the ride, and of course the whole Disney universe went into crazy panic mode, and so Disney had to come out and say no, the attraction's not being changed. It's it's going to be fine. But that's the question, like, you know eventually they're going to have to do something with those really old rides, right? They can't just leave them the same forever, right? Or why? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. See, I say why, right? Well, like, I like that. <laughs> I do, I, too. I, I'm not one that sit here, sits here and thinks that I need, like, things need to change, but the general public, I feel, sometimes thinks otherwise, you know? The thing about the Jungle Cruise is that it, it's it's fairly unique in that it's one of those rides that was touched directly by Walt with the mm. fact that somebody got on it went through the whole ride, got off and said, well, I never need to do that again. And he was like shocked and appalled that somebody said that. Mm-hmm. And that's what started the whole skipper thing. Right. So, um, the, the thing is, is, you know, I, I don't think it's so much missing the jungle cruise. I think it's missing the, the charm of it with the skipper. So if they're going to update it, the one thing that they need to not do is get, rid of the skippers they, like, they we don't to... want to see an animatronic rock as the skipper no 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 it no. should not be it should not be scripted it should not be like if it's scripted and it's just corny jokes all the way through that's a fail yeah because yeah. that's going to be repetitive that's going to be okay it was funny the first time but i've heard this joke 50 times the great thing about the jungle cruise as it stands right now is that every time i get on with the skipper there is like some of them follow the script. Some of them can be really amazing with jokes and the delivery and everything else that comes with it. So if they're going to do any kind of revamp on it, like, yeah, you know, maybe change some of the scenes, maybe update the boats. I know they actually updated the dock in Disneyland because the, the old dock was like well, treacherous. Apart. To get in and out of. <laughs> yeah. um, but they, they can't change the fundamental fact that 
the reason that that ride is the way it is is because it has it it has that value of coming back to it. The, but but there the, is the another whole... ride like that, isn't there? Isn't that the is is the movie ride? Isn't that kind of like that as well? Um, yeah, but again, the the movie ride is kind of forced. Yeah, because there there's the scenes like like at, at some point you you get either the the western guy or the the gang the guy that come mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. swap out and and it, it's a lot more scripted like they're forced to kind of stop what they're doing and what they're saying and follow the script mm-hmm. if if with uh jungle cruise like they're they're moving through and they're kind of you know keeping their own pace sometimes they'll go faster sometimes they'll go slower but they they can also stop and engage you they don't even have like they can miss entire sections and it doesn't matter because they're still doing their thing and as long as they they keep the pacing it's fine here here, here's an interesting question for you trevor so as a disneyland person and you were just talking about the rides that walt worked on were disneyland uh, fans freaking out when they changed pirates of the caribbean to be like the movie because that was an update that they did you know to a classic ride that walt had his hand in you know what i mean yeah and that was that was the last one that Vol worked on too, wasn't it? it? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the general feel that I've gotten from a lot of people is initially they were kind of like they kind of rolled their eyes at, oh, okay, Jack Sparrow is in there, but the ride itself didn't fundamentally change. The ride is it. It's all the same scenes. The only thing they've added in was that addition of the character to tie in with the movie, and the dialogue changed a little bit, but. Again, the, it's still Pirates of the Caribbean. It's not Pirates of the Caribbean Electric Boogaloo or whatever. <laughs> like, <it's> a, <laughs> Sequel. The, yeah, exactly. Like, like, it's still fundamentally the same ride. And that's the way I think they really got to push Jungle Cruise is that, fine, do a couple of updates. But if they rip out the core of the ride, and I, I personally think the core of the ride is the skippers. If that part comes out, Agreed. then they're going to hurt themselves quite drastically. And it, then you, you'll have basically another figment or Ellen's energy adventure where they'll be looking at it going, eh, okay, like, do we keep this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. I totally agree. And I, I, you know, obviously Disney came out really quickly and, and refuted that it was going to happen. But I, I think it's interesting to just think about the fact that they might at some point do something with it. And even if you look at some videos of the Jungle Cruises across the world, they do do some different things in the Jungle Cruises. Um, but, uh, you know, my favorite Jungle Cruise joke of all time before we wrap up here, because we've been, we've been going on for a while here and we should wrap mm-hmm. it up. Um, I, I've only heard it once and I've never heard it again since then, is right, right when you're going into the cave... Um, the the skipper said, "I wonder what's in the cave." And she said, "Let's be honest, people. It's Disney World. It's probably a gift shop." And <laughs> I've I've never heard it. I've never heard that joke since then. Um, but I just and I don't know if she went rogue and just <laughs> and said and did that one. But it made that one like was not a corny joke and it made me laugh. I thought it was clever. So, um, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. That like you said, that that kind of stuff needs to stay around, in my opinion. Absolutely, totally agree. Anything you want to add, Damon, before we wrap this thing up? Nope. No, the answer is no. If I can find the button that unmutes me, the answer is no. (laughs) All right. Uh, Trevor, if you could wrap us up here, that'd be great. Okay, so for uh, those people that are looking to get in contact with us, uh, you can reach us by email at welcomehomepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find our website at www.welcomehomepodcast.com. 
Uh, we're definitely looking for questions from listeners. Uh, if anybody's got anything, you can uh, you can get a hold of us through either of those. You can also find us on social media, um, places such as Facebook at Welcome Home Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Welcome Home Pod, and on Instagram at Welcome Home Picks. Great. And so, you know, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, the Welcome Home Podcast. Uh, we also would appreciate it if you are a listener of the show, if you would uh, give us a review on iTunes or whatever service you listen through. Uh, you know, reviews are always appreciated, so we like to have those things out there. Uh, but make sure you subscribe so uh, you get reminded every time we have a new episode. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, pretty much any podcast app you can find um you know you can also go on our website and uh you know get a link to our podcast from there and uh just a reminder to our listeners welcome home podcast is for entertainment only we are not employed by the walt disney company and as such all opinions expressed on this show are our own so please contact your dvc representative for more information you can find me on princecharmingvacations.com for your disney vacation planning needs damon uh on his website Yep, bscKids.com. Like I said, we cover all the Disney shows and all that sort of good stuff. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, visit us on there. A big thank you to Nick Cotton for joining us today. That was an awesome segment. We would love to great. spend more yep. time with him. Oh, we have yeah. a million questions for him. So um, we're going to try to get him back on as soon as we can. You can find Nick on uh, DVCResaleMarket.com. DVCResaleMarket.com. You can also find him on Facebook at DVC Resale Market. Um, and you can learn more about buying or selling from there. They have listings. And you can check out all the different things that they have available right now. Uh, really, really great website. So check that out. So thank you guys so much for listening to Welcome Home Podcast. Join us next time for more Disney Parks discussion and, of course, more Disney Vacation Club talk. We hope to see you real soon. This is Skipper Albert Awal, the voice of the jungle, signing off from Welcome Home Podcast on the DVC. When we hit a chair How she can cuddle is no man's affair I looked around from pole to pole Found her in a sugar bowl Greetings